Welcome to Hardcasters. We're back and we're hard. I'm Dominic Deplum um, and cloaked in a veil of mystery uh, uh-huh. on the other end of the internet is uh, Dick Facade. Hello, this is my post-apocalyptic kimono. Things got worse, your end. Yeah, I mean, we a couple of weeks ago we had sort of uh, what we call here Boris drones. Mm. Where it's kind of little kind of almost goblin bomb esque drones floating over Boris Johnson's face. They went about three days ago, but they've been replaced by Russian ones. Mm. So the, I think the Russian one, the Russia have kind of you know hoiked in on this patch now. So it's, it's yeah. got worse. So I'm sat on the roof of um, uh, uh, Jacob's Cracker Factory. Uh, I'm on the last packet of my Billy the Bear ham now as well. Oh, one, one last packet left. Yeah. But he's um, looking at his little face. That's cheered me up. I'm currently living in a um, a shopping trolley under a bridge, and I've uh, lived in an exclusively Frey Brentos diet. Um, but things la- previously to when we last checked him really looked up over at my end of the sea. I felt this weight lifted off my shoulder. I, my world was full of colour and hope and joy. Apparently, that's due to a dirty bomb going off nearby, and it's just the yeah. side effects of the chemical agent on me. I was hallucinating. Um, yeah. I, I was snapped out of it when I was being sexually assaulted by a dog, a stray <laughs> dog. So, um, is yeah, your bell not... bellowed fell off yet? My one, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of the first things to go. Thank Christ, I thought it was just me. No, 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 that, that I don't know, I don't know what the, the common element is there, but yeah, no, um. You, you can't, my area, you can't walk around for um, felled bellends. <laughs> like a like fucking, Ken, like a fucking Kendall down there. It's like, um, it's literally like conquer season. There's just, it's all over the floor. In fact, we've been, we've been soaking some of them in vinegar and playing um, conquers with bellends um, with each other to make some, you know, make lemonade out of lemons, if you will. Today, we're talking about the Punisher. Which Punisher we're talking about? There's been lots of Punishers. Yeah, uh, I think we, well, as is our wheelhouse, mm. we are we are combining two of our loves of comic books, but also eighties slash nineties action heroes. So we we're, we're going to look at the nineteen eighty nine Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to really try. I, I found I can't talk about a Punisher movie without talking about the uh, all of the Punisher movies, kind okay. of by comparison. And I'm going to try and avoid that today because, you know, when things get really dry and desperate, we might need to go to them and and, and use them to kill an hour. So um, I'll try not to talk about Punisher Warzone or Punisher. What about, fair enough, what about actors, though? Because it may be quite nice to have a some sort of, you know, act, compare the actors and how yeah. they portrayed the Punisher a little bit. Well, fuck it. We'll see how the time's going. We might talk about the other ones. Who cares? Let's let's crack on. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first saw this as a kid, uh, I was slightly less enthusiastic about it, partly because the skulls missing from the shirt. That was a big yep. sticking point for me as a kid. And I think it felt of its, at the time, considering more low budget, you know, Dolph Lundgren, in I compartmentalized as you know, kind of sub Jean Claude Van Damme, you know, heavy accent, not great on acting. I didn't like the fact he didn't look cool, that he had like dirty hair and stuff. Um, and slowly over time, that has not only morphed actually pretty quickly, not slowly, pretty quickly morphed from being a film that I thought was a missed opportunity to now this is a solid action film to being a my favorite Punisher film, hands okay. down. And B, most of the things I didn't like about it originally, I love about it now. Okay. Um, now, what I will say, and I don't know how you feel, the skull on the shirt thing, mm-hmm. when I was I watched this a um, couple of days ago, I don't know if I miss it, really. 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like the first time I watched it, I was a bit like you, I was a bit like, oh, mm-hmm. he's not really the Punisher, then is he? But actually, like, I didn't, I didn't feel myself notice it. There is a scene, I don't know if you noticed it, there's a scene when he will talk about the kind of characters, but he yeah. teams up with, you know, he allies himself with one of his enemies kind of later on. Yeah. And the, the, the guy hands him a bulletproof vest. Yeah. He said, Do you want this? And he goes, no. But in my head, I'm like, is that where the score comes in? Like, actually, yeah. we start to kind of get that. He builds that later mm. on because it felt very baited sequel at the end. It felt like it was like, right, we're going to hit another Punisher film here. Mm. So I think that's probably where they're going to build it to, to the kind of yeah. aura of Frank Castle. So, yeah, I didn't notice that we miss it. I'm like, yeah. I, mean, I think if, if you'd have said to me, well, you know, could you go back in time and add it? I'd go, well, yeah. Mm. But I don't think it, it had the impact no. that I think I wanted it to have as a kid. Um, so what's the love about this film? So much, absolutely, right? absolutely. So the opening is kind of nicely done, it's a bit of a kind of, I mean, before it obviously, but kind of Leon kind of sneaking and assassinates yeah. and a noose being dropped or a knife being thrown or whatever. But I love the you know, when the house blows up and all the reporters see the silhouette of him. In that red smoke, and they're really like, It's cool. the Punisher, it's the Punisher. And he goes in. I love the mystery of that. It's what I loved about um the 89 Batman as well. They treat them like phantoms, yeah, you know. Um, and I think that worked really well. Did uh, you like his dirty bottom at the start? Because when we <laughs> met, when we when we meet him, it pans into him sat Billy Bollocks in front of a fire, and he's yeah. just a very dirty boss. Not like he shat himself, but he's just he's <laughs> just very dirty. He made it sound like a he'd full on shat himself, and b that I've got some weird fetish. <laughs> Did I like his dirty bomb? Well, okay, let's let's take a, a sidebar here. I'm all in for filthy Punisher. I love the fact he's got dirt under his nails. He looks like absolute shit. He looks like he lives in a fucking sewer. He's pale. He's clammy. He's not got bags under his eyes. He's got like weird, like chapped skin. His hair is thick and greasy and long. You think, yes, this looks like a bloke, a really smelly man (laughs) who lives... Smelly Punisher. (laughs) In the sewers and only comes up to kill people brutally before going back and seeing... Yeah. I think it's perfect. Of course he doesn't wash. And this actually, uh, you know, maybe this is something to get too late, but let's deal with the good stuff first. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Dolph Lundgren in this era was a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. I think he probably is better than he gets a lot of credit for. But I think through choices like that, it, it, this film knows how to use Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact, you know, when we see a lot of Punishers... They're either completely cold, kind of Terminator-esque machines, mm-hmm. which I don't, you know, and that's, sorry, I will go into, into thing. That's, the, that's one of the things I'm not too keen on about Planet Punisher Warzone, is yeah. that it's almost entirely emotionless. Yeah. I think, well, actually, of all the kind of traumatic things you could suffer from that, from the incident that happened, mm. that's the least dramatically interesting one. Yeah. Then there's obviously like the brutal rage monster who's just like bubbling with anger, which is more like the TV show, which is fine. But I love the fact that in this one, he is clearly just a broken man. Yeah. Like he literally looks like he's given up on life. And Lundgren looks like he just is constantly just rolling his eyes at everything. Just like, yeah, what's yeah. the fucking point? And I love that. It's not just like fury and anger, which would be the easy thing to do. He just literally looks like... I he's given up on everything, including his cleanliness, especially around the bottom. Um, Very much so. And so then when you set him up with that scene with Lou Gossett Jr., who's like a, you know, full of energy, and when he's finally caught him, yeah, and he's kind of shouting at him, and the fact he just keeps turning his head away, and he looks like crap. He's got like, yeah. his face is like white and green and purple somehow. He looks like a massive sulky teenager, doesn't he? Sat in yeah. bed. It's, it's like, perfect. come on, get out, your, get out of your bed. Come on. Go to college. Like, no, get off me. It's genuinely good. And I think this is one of the ways I like this film is that it's easy to dismiss it just as a violent action movie. But there is there's some choices that have been made that I think are significantly better choices than any other than the the future uh, Punishers around how to depict him. 
Yeah. And he just kind of lumbers through the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and we know he's a martial artist. We know he can he can pull off some energetic moves. We can some cool moves. But he just seems to just be like knocking people over and just like just fed up rather than. Yeah. And, I, and I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. yes, I love his dirty bottom. Who, who yeah. can't? What's More please. More please, BBC. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, that's all great. And now there's obviously various cuts of this. Um, I think we both watched the, the uncut version. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'd seen a cut of this film. I've seen a number of cuts of this film. The one I watched or tried to watch a little while back was so heavily cut that the doc scene ended before the Punisher got involved. Wow. They literally, I think, I think it might have been for other territories. And literally, I think he was he was on the roof looking down. That's right. And then it just cuts to them pulling a, a van out the lake. They just literally cut the action scene. But so in this version, the Dockland scene is the most uncut I've ever seen it. Right. Um so yeah, there's there's squibs, big messy squibs. There's a hand comes off. There's little weird balls with spikes that get chucked in people's necks. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah, my favourite bit is where the the guy comes at him and he blocks him and just fires a shotgun underarm and the guy just like flies back into the boxes. Yeah, um, that, and I think that's where Dolph Lundgren's kind of size comes across because when he shoots it's almost like everything is bigger about him Mm. you know the kind of gun barrels the you know just way people fly off screen he's just almost kind of got this kind of powerful weaponry built for him as well which is is really he's really cool and i love the the variety of uh i'm doing air quotes italian american gangsters and um the guy in the car just go like what yeah (laughs) That's his only two lines before he gets stabbed with a with a samurai sword. Um, yeah, they 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 worked great, and they seem completely inept. Like Absolutely. one wants to take a piss, one's having a sandwich. <laughs> you think, come on, guys. One, one's like, I can't work the radio. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, one sat at a table with a napkin tucked in, having a full spaghetti meal. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I yeah, they kind of deserve to get with it, but it's a great it's a great little action sequence. Um, and then pretty much for for us for because not to give it discredit, I mean everything in between the action sequences is fairly pedestrian. There's Lou Gossett yeah. Jr., who is an ex partner of Frank Castle, who's great actually. He does a lot of heavy lifting in the film. Yeah, um, I really like him. Um, and he's partnered with a with a female cop, and they're basically just on the trail of him. And then we get to another action sequence. Um, I love. I think it's so cool when he drops into the casino and just shoots yes. the crap out of everything. Because again, it's not just that it's really satisfying and just watching him just unload that thing into, but it feels like that's his vent. It feels like cathartic for him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like he goes around like Kerry, he just comes in, he's just like, ah, I just blow it, which I love. It's um, the only oh, time he comes alive, isn't it? It's the yeah. only time actually you see him emote, which I and think just, actually makes sense. Yeah, and when we just get those jump cuts closer and closer to his face, yeah, I think it's great. And uh, I think an hour point as well. What a fucking brilliant score this film! Such got. a good score. Yeah, such a good score. Particularly in that moment, it's like no, no, you know. It, it, nowadays, because it's kind of small scale, um, set in kind of urban areas, people would it would be smaller instruments. It would be yeah. a smaller sound, or they go possibly hands him a light this goes full it's i think the closest one i can think to is like um the first two mad max films just like yeah. an absolutely bombastic orchestral score yeah um even when it's not really called for just like no no we're just gonna lean on this heavily kind of like yeah. the punisher you know this is not a score that kind of creeps up on you and you know puts you to sleep this is a one that smashes through the window and yeah. jams an m60 down your neck absolutely it's a great score mm. I also like I do going back to Lou Gossett Jr. I think the cast it's not obviously a huge name cast, but there's mm. some proper really good little performances. Uh, Lou Gossett Jr. is great. I think mm. again he's uh, he clearly a kind of broken cop, but not mm. quite as broken as Frank Castle, mm. which I like. But I also like is it Shake? 
So he has a uh, kind of trampy. Um, yeah, kind of, he speaks in rhyme. Yes, which is great. Um, he, he's brilliant. Like every time he's on screen, I want to see more of him. He's fantastic. Yeah. And I don't understand his character though, and I like that. Like I don't know why this guy, who, as far as I can tell, is an is an is a out of work actor who's fallen on yep. hard times that also has all these links to the criminal underworld and just tells him everything he needs to know. Yeah, he's great. He's such a such a good character. Yeah, um, I think there's a Venn diagram, like a social Venn diagram of theatrical thespians and criminal underworld that meets. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you ever want to get to one or the other, if you want to get a good audition, go to the mafia. Yeah. If you ever want to uh, bring down a mafia ring from the inside, head over to the nearest stage door. Well, Jack, Jack would be in the 70s. He was always kneecapping. He was all face he? paint, cod pieces, yeah. Yeah. and Tommy guns in uh, guitar cases. Do you want some of this bollocks? Do you? <laughs> Do you want some of this bollocks? I'll give you some of this bollocks. <laughs> That's what he What did you say about my Macbeth? <laughs> Twat. So yeah, uh, play you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then, of course, we go and we get the bus chase sequence, yep. which is surprisingly big in scale for yep. a film that kind of feels very straight to video. I, I, my only criticism: <coughs> I would have liked to have had a car flip. Okay, or flip yep. and roll. But the explosion's good. The mm. guy disappearing under the other car getting run over is good that's great and i love the bit where the he crashed in and the guy goes through the window into the thing such a, and yeah then i watched that twice i just yeah. really it just felt really that satisfied yes yeah. i really liked it yeah the, the film i think was made by an australian production company <laughs> right and i don't know whether it was shot in australia or an australian crew i got a sus- suspicion his tramp friend was australian He's, an, he's quite a famous Australian. There's a few little Australian characters. I looked it up on IMDb. There's a few little Australian character actors here and there yeah. as well. I, I'm not surprised if we should. And I'll tell you what, if there's one thing Australians know, know how to stage is a car chase. Mm. Um, not just in Mad Max. If there's like a whole subgenre of exploitation, and there's some really interesting stuff. And pretty much every film, regardless of what it's about, involves some elaborate car chase sequence. What's interesting as well is that the the you know it's not just uh, Frank Castle or the Punisher against a gang. There's actually the meat of the plot is the the mafia stands in stand-ins led, led by Jerome Crab. I always like yeah. a little bit of Jerome right. Crab um, yeah. versus the Yakuza. Yeah, and there's a bit of back and forth, and they kidnap children and stuff like that. And that's all kind of interesting. Keeps the the engine ticking on this thing. Um, and I would say that the, the finale. Although good, is probably not as exciting as the other action scenes. It's, it's it, not the casino scene. It's not the bus chase. Yeah, and it's not. I I think the like the fairground. He should have been at the fairground again because I like that as a backdrop. Yeah, it's it's actually fine. You know, and a lot of people die, and a lot of people yeah. get shot and stabbed, and there's some cool little moments. And the fights are good. The death when he pins the guy to the wall with the spear is pretty good. Yeah, I like the bit where. It's almost like you say, going back to the idea of like he's rolling his eyes at everyone. When I think it's the girl kind of, you know, mm. she's kind of high kicking stuff. It's almost like he goes, oh, for fuck's I'm done yeah. with this Kung Fu shit. Yeah. And he just picks her up and he just throws her through a wall. I'm yeah. like, he's had it off now. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Done and done. That's actually, they're all really good fights. They're kind of fast and messy and, and, and violent. For me, where it kind of peters out, and this is for a couple of reasons, is is the act that where he kills off Jerome Crabb. Yeah, because at that point, you know, it's in another white room. It's all the same kind of imagery. And here's my here's my the, the only thing about this, bar the the lack of a car flip, that I think would make this film a hundred percent satisfying. And that is, I really feel the conflict between the yakuza and the mafia, and that seems really personal and nasty. But I never actually get a sense of conflict between Frank Castle and the gangs. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether Drone Crab is supposed to have ordered the hit on his family. I yes. don't know whether it is that the case. But I kind of forget that because that never feels personal. No. Um, it doesn't so, come back around, does it? Yeah. Know what you mean? And when they're sort of just rolling around on the floor, I'm like, is oh, this is the last action sequence? Like, mm. And again, you know, it's very easy for me to say, oh, you know, just spend another, you know, 
million on this sequence or whatever. It's obviously very low budget, but it kind of felt like it needed to move to the roof or that you'd need to be dangling off something or there needs to be some element of jeopardy, not two men rolling yeah. around a piano while a child yeah, cries. It, um, it was, yeah, it was a bit like, oh, yeah, it's almost like they just kept the camera rolling and just forgot yeah. to shout cut. Yeah, or it needed an explosion <laughs> or a man to fall out of a building on fire, some yeah. kind of stunt um, to really. But then I love the way it ends. Dirty bums again. Yeah, um, <laughs> dirty bottom. But like I say, other than that, I think it's a really, really good, it's a genuinely good action film. And I really feel like it captures, you know, what, uh, my first introduction to The Punisher was in sort of the 80s, where mm. it was it was in a Spider-Man comic and he turned up to assassinate. So he's kind of an anti-hero. Mm. And this felt like that. It felt yeah. like just silly enough to feel like it was ripped from the comics or the superhero comics in the sense of, of bold enough and big enough, but still felt very much within action film territory. And as an action film, I mean, as a straight to video action film, I mean, I don't know, but it probably got a cinema release, but straight, in that kind of budget level, it's a lot better than a lot of other ones. You know, it's mm. the, the, there's actual, the violence is good. It's, it's crunchy. It's satisfying. Everything you can kind of feel, everything's covered in filth or it's all yeah. kind of, you know, the sound effects really, I don't know, it just feels like it um, It really leaps off the screen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, again, it's, it just feels like that. It, it's it's that mixture of a proper grimy late mm. 80s, early 90s action film, but there's a big comic book thing about it as well. It's got comic book written all over it. It doesn't seem mm. to melt into one part, um, mm. one genre. It kind of straddles both, which I really, really like. Who is, would you say then, Going back to the Punisher thing, who's your favourite Punisher actor on screen so far? Okay, so I think the Thomas Jane one, mm. I think I love Thomas Jane as an actor. I think that film is, for me, has got some brilliant standout moments. The fight with the guy in the in the apartment, yeah, the Russian guy, the end shootout. But I, it, it's a film where the Punisher spends most of his time following people around taking pictures and leaving notes and saying oh he said yeah. this about you or he said this about you rather yeah. than mini gunning people down and so it kind of feels like if that film wasn't called the punisher if it was just like a riff on 70s kind of crime films i'd probably love it yeah but it doesn't feel what it doesn't give me what i want out of a punisher no. film and it's not grimy and grotty either is it it's no. quite bright and breezy yeah um punisher war zone is fucking ludicrous and we have to cover that sometime and i love that and again, Ray Stevenson, he's got the presence. But again, I think it's very monosyllabic. I think it works in that. But I don't. And I love when he breaks his nose back off, back in place yeah. with a pencil and all that kind of stuff. But I don't ever really feel like he's anything other than a, a killing machine. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, uh, John Bernthal in the TV. Are we talking about the TV series as well? Yeah, yeah. Happy dear. He's obviously an incredible actor. Mm. And I really believe his Frank Castle is a fully rounded person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get the sense of fury. And I'm, I think he's probably, quote unquote, the better actor. Yeah. And at no point, you know, he, he's smaller than Lundgren. You know, he's not a muscle guy. That's not to say that at any point, I don't feel he's a credible threat. Probably more so than anyone. You know, he's probably the most dangerous looking person. And I would like to see him come back, but there's something about Lundgren's Punisher kind of feels like a monster's crawled out the sewer. Yeah. Like he's, and that the kind of part awkwardness of his physicality, the heavy accent, plus that kind of aesthetic makes him feel almost otherworldly. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not someone who needs my comic book movies to be my superhero movies, whatever you want to call them, to be grounded. I don't need to spend all this time convincing me why superheroes exist. I know they exist. Just get straight to the point, please. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, as much as Berthnall's Punisher, he's probably the more rounded one. The fact he seems realistic, the thing he seems believable, actually makes him less yeah mythical. I like yeah. Lundgren's mythical. Yeah, I'd like to see Lundgren come back as a Punisher. I, I think he could still play it. Like, there's nothing in that film he's asked to do that he couldn't do now. Yeah, at his age, but obviously he won't get that. Oh, God, he's, right. look, 
he'd have a really dirty bottom, wouldn't he? Though? He's <laughs> be been there too, so <laughs> Yeah, you'd have things growing out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favourite Punisher? I think putting the films and the adaptations aside, I think I would like to see Thomas Jane do it again. Yeah. I think he's probably my favourite Punisher. I just think he was in the wrong Punisher film. Now, do you know who I would want for my ultimate Punisher? Go on. It's never going to happen because it needs to go back in time. I want. I would have wanted a 70s Punisher film mm-hmm. around the kind of Death Wish era, maybe yeah. even directed by Michael Winner. Amazing. With John Saxon oh. as the Punisher. That's a great show. I mean, to be honest, John Saxon would have great made a great 70s Wolverine or Judge Dredd or anything, but I think yeah, the Punisher yeah, yeah. would have been sweet. That's a, great, that's a good show. Sam Peckinpah's Punisher with John Saxon. That I'd fucking see. Yeah, that's a yeah. Good, great show. Just a really just squibby, dirty, grimy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just endless shots of it, like ammo firing at a gun in slow motion. As people kind of, yeah, oh, that, that'd be great. Lelo Schifrin score, fantastic. Beautiful. But Dolph Lundgren's 89 one is, by, <laughs> it is a perfectly acceptable uh, second place for me. When, you know, if you were to say Punisher to me, the live action thing that pops into my head is the Dolph Lundgren film, yeah. like instantly as a kind of immediate response. I think it's time for some um, Seagal facts. I'm just a cook. cook. Did you know that he launched Kellogg's Frosties in Russia? (laughs) Did he? He did. Now, (laughs) it was in sort of the early 90s, but the problem was there was a licensing issue, whereas they could use the name, but they couldn't use any of the branding. So it's difficult to find now, but you can find packs of Russian Frosties where he's dressed as Tony the Tiger. <laughs> so what they've done is painted a tiger face and stuck big whiskers on him yeah. and give him an oversized bowl of cereal um, and just kind of, he's chomping away at them. He's even adverts where he's got like a giant tiger suit on and his face is popping out of it. Mm. And he's uh, he's sitting now for breakfast at the, you know, by the Kremlin, eating his Frosties. Amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. So I found out a little known fact that obviously one of the things we know about him is that he went to Japan and studied yeah. and then he came to America. And there's a point while still in Japan in the 70s that while yeah. he was teaching uh, martial arts or, or learning yeah. martial arts, whichever side of the story you want to believe, the disco movement in Japan wasn't huge. There was a lot of funk and stuff, but yeah. pure like Bee Gees disco. Yeah. Um, and by the time it got to Japan, it kind of had morphed into something else. And he, alongside um, martial arts, was a roller disco champion. Amazing. Um, no, end, no end to his talents, is there? That's yeah. Amazing. And there's, if you, there, was a, there was a film made in Japan. It was kind of like a documentary story about the movement. Right. But it was kind of narrative driven. Um, and he's in it briefly. Um, it's only a few seconds, but you see him um, doing some traditional moves while on roller skates. He's wearing like a brown, light brown lame suit with almost like wow. a cow skin, like white and brown blotchy cow skin waistcoat with frills on. But also a sequence that's uh, sewn in and he's he's kind of doing some disco moves on the, the thing. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, I can't that's remember incredible. the exact name. I think it's. I think it's called Roller Fever, I think is the English title. Um, I think it's 70, 76. Um, wow. But it's only a very, very small clip. But yeah. Now, um, while we're sharing yeah. true facts about Steven Seagal, what's a, a true fact about you from, I'm just going to say your crime fighting days, but from any point of your life, Ooh. Dick? Okay. So back, back sort of late 90s um i i did a bit of uh what's it called on the job training as a as a hovercraft cop just solely on hovercrafts mm. um so any any kind of mission any training i did was just purely hovercraft driven 
So it just evolved uh, sort of uh, drug busts on hovercrafts, hovercraft chase. There was a hostage situation on hovercraft once. Mm. Usually it wouldn't have lasted more than 10, 15 minutes, whatever the operation was, just purely because, you know, the hovercraft only had so much uh, land or surface that you could go over before kind of crashing or, or you yeah, know, yeah. kind of becoming coming, coming adrift. So yeah. usually the, the, the mission would end in lots of people falling over each other in a comedy style, mm. uh, going, oh, like, you know, the kind of, yeah. sort of Benny Hill romp. <laughs> No, that it was known as the year of the hovercraft because of the huge rise in hovercraft related crime. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was in it was in the news for about a week. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Well, again, interesting. I mean, I think uh, how far through your autobiography are you? Uh, writing it, or you know, you know, dictating it, which which part? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're... <laughs> it's mainly lots of drawings at the minute. Yeah, I've not really put any words. In there, it's, just it's a flipbook, isn't it? It's an autobiographical flipbook. Yeah, pretty much. There's yeah. lots of pictures of me, hovercrafts, and jet from gladiators. Yeah, uh, That's what, you showed me that one where your stick man figure gets an erection. <laughs> it's like a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you. So, hmm. like, you know, again, to find out more about you, who's your favourite Barry? Barry Gibb, Manilow, Chuckle. Or Barry from EastEnders. Um, it's it's Barry Gibb. I've I'm not an official biographer of them, of the Bee Gees, but I have studied their their life. Mm. They grew up in the north of England, and Barry Gibb was very much like the alpha in the group, um, uh, the lead lion. Yeah. Uh, whereas Maurice, um, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> hang on. <laughs> I'll just read. I'm just going to go to my notes. Okay. Uh, so I can, because uh, I've made lots of extensive notes. Barry uh, and um, Robin were very much like Barry kind of dictated Robin's movements and everything. He, he desperately tried to kind of control Robin, whereas Morris was very much a loner. He would <laughs> often go while they were kind of, entertaining the kind of family downstairs that go around he would go up to the roof um and play keyboards and wear hats um up there it once even had a keyboard hat uh which was where he really mastered his craft um and that relationship very very much stayed the same and it was a testament to barry that he recognized his ego and allowed maurice a little bit of room to come in and that's where they formed the proper trio um, that went on to become uh, the Bee Gees. So absolutely Barry. He's an alpha male, the head lion, the furious furry front man of the Bee Gees. And yet he knows when to create room for other people. He doesn't use that power for evil. He uses it to unite his brothers. Amazing. I always thought Robin Gibb looked like a vulture. <laughs> yeah, they... They each took on a spirit animal. Yeah. Because they're long descendants of a kind of ancient family line that dates back to Arthurian times. Um, and the tradition is that when a child is born, they are gifted. They are they're kind of held out to Mother Earth and the spirit of an animal will approach them and become one with them. Yeah. So when Barry Gibb was held up, um, an ethereal lion yeah. uh, drifted uh, and joined with him when Robin Gibb was held out. Uh, a vulture descended and into him. And when Maurice was held out, um, a fucking sea lion <laughs> just plopped onto him. And that's how, and you can see in some, in some of their live performances, when they hit a particular crescendo, they kind of astrally project and their animal selves come out the, the back of them. Um, the, the, the visionary's toy line was based on, on the Bee Gees. They had a hand in designing them and it's drawn from true life. Oh, I heard that as a rumor. No, oh, no, that was, that's God. absolutely real. Yeah. Fantastic.
time to pitch. And we've been talking about this for a long time. Since we've got a Lundgren Punisher, why not pitch a Marvel Avengers movie made in the late 80s, possibly early 90s, uh, with our favourite action stars podding now? Can I just? I want to run some rules and guidelines by you. I think I was kind of thinking, could this film exist in the same world as The Punisher? But then that would take Lundgren out of the running. So I think it's its entirely own entity. I think, yeah, absolutely. And I'm also going to say it won't include any of the 80s, 70s, and 80s Marvel versions that existed. So no Lufrig, no Hulk. Okay, it can't be in it. Um. So we're recasting them, basically. Yeah, I don't think... Because I think we could actually make an event of those characters going into the 90s. Well, I mean, we've got two versions of Captain America. We've got the Red Brown one. Yeah. We've got the Matt Salinger one in the 90s. We've got the Nicholas Hammond uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, we're going to completely recast it. Late 80s, early 90s action stars. I think that we've got to rule out possibly your A-listers. I don't think Schwarzenegger and Stallone would share the screen with a Brian Bosworth or a Van Damme, necessarily. Maybe I've got a part part in my head for at least one of them, though. Well, let's throw it in and we'll see how it goes. Um, I I would go with the traditional lineup of the Avengers that we saw in in the first Avengers movie, yeah. I think, yeah, I do think we need to change the plot because I don't think that movie would have got pitched in this era because they wouldn't have had the money for it. I, I would like to pitch this on the same budget as something like Double oh, yeah. Impact. Or and I think we have we have that kind of slight 80s and 90s ridiculousness as well, where there's no real logic explained of how that's happened. Yeah. I'd also like to chuck in a few other Marvel characters. Yeah. Can uh, float in and out as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, before we get to the main event of casting our Avengers, um, so for me, if you're going to make a superhero film in the late 80s and early 90s, you've got to kind of cop out on the plot and the villain. So I think there's going to be two main Marvel villains. Yeah. I've, I, if you don't mind, I've picked one, which is kind of like the sub-villain. Yeah. Not because I particularly want to see them, but because I think that would fit the world better. And then you'll pick the other one. So the main villain, who I'm going to get you to choose, uh, is our kind of big Marvel comic book villain. They have come here from another foreign land or come here from the past or merged out of a toxic swamp or whatever. And they're going to use the usual bullshit plot of they've got a poisonous gas they're going to release in the sea, right? And they've got like a henchman and their own kind of like super army. But in order to distribute it, they're using, and this skimps on budget, the local crime family run by the kingpin. Okay. So initially we're up against the, the our heroes are up against the kingpin and a kingpin and a bunch of just thugs in suits much like the punisher because that saves so much money and then the next level up is our main villain in his lair or her uh, villain in her lair with uh, henchmen so i'm going with kingpin as that kind of sub villain because that fits the kind of action film world we're in who would you like to be the big marvel comic villain well i had an idea on this so i'm not mm-hmm. sure how it would work I was thinking like doesn't have to work. Yeah, I was keeping Thanos, the MCU, (laughs) but played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, let's make it Thanos because Thanos wouldn't be the Thanos in the in the movies or the comics. He would be a a lower rent version. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, still purple. Absolutely, yeah. So it's just it's just Schwarzenegger painted purple. Yeah, he'd make a great Thanos actually. And then um, he's got the Infinity Gauntlet, but it just fires like laser beams or something. Yeah, it can what? control elements of the earth. That's yeah. it's not it doesn't control elements of the universe, it controls things in his yeah. you know, he can nearby water, electricity, etc. Yeah. Are you aware of the Thanos copter from the comic comics? Yes, I am. So uh, that's the he, he's got a helicopter. He's he's in a skyscraper. Yeah. He's got a, a they probably even changed the, the backstory. He's probably like a businessman who fell in a bowl of toxic plums or something and came out purple. Yeah. Um and he's been mining. He's got organizations all over mining for the Infinity Gems. Yeah. Which he's now got, and he's using that to create a poison gas, which is going to distribute. Absolutely. There Perfect. we go. So, uh, who's your kingpin? Who's your oh, kingpin? Oh, the kingpin. Um, 
So I'm going to cast against type here. All right. Again, because I think if I'm producing the 80s and I don't give a shit about the comics, I'm thinking, well, how do we make, how do we get some different flavors in there? We've got Schwarzenegger. Maybe the Kingpin needs to be a bit funny. Maybe we need to, so, and I'm not going, so I'm not going Hoskins. I'm not going DeVito. I'm going, no, no, Dom DeLuise. Oh. Dom DeLuise is the Kingpin. That sweaty Dom DeLuise. And he's just, he's just, he's, and he's basically, you know, when he's in Blazing Saddles as the kind of choreographer, the, he's, yeah. that's the performance he's given as the Kingpin. Right. So yeah. we've got Schwarzenegger as Thanos and we've got Dom DeLuise <laughs> as, 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 as the Kingpin. Can I, can I make a request? Yeah. Can I cast Thor? I've got a really thought, really a good idea for Thor. Yeah. Well, let's, so then let's go to the other side. So we've got the Avengers. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if you've got a Thor lined up, Hit me. It's got to be Sven Thorson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Great. Or Thor Svensson, whatever his name is. Whatever his name is. Um, mm. I, I want him looking like Thor Svensson. Little Viking helmet. Um, I pigtails. think. Pigtails. Yeah, pigtails. Monier, um is clearly like rig rubber hammer. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't always come back to him either. It's not that kind of slick thing in the MCU. Mm. He just throws it, it destroys a lot, and then he just out he's out of shot a lot of the time. Yeah. So I know who I want for Hulk, and I know who I want for Captain America. Okay. Go but let's, did let's, you have did you have thoughts on those two? No, I haven't. Okay. I just wanted, yeah. Okay. I've got an idea for Doctor Strange. I'm putting Doctor Strange in there. Go for it. Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> And his magic mainly consists of kicking people. Yeah. Yeah. And his cape does as well. His cape's got a little leg. Yeah. Now, Black Widow, I mean, the obvious thing is to go Cynthia Rothrock, right? Either or Bridget Nielsen. Yeah. But I thought, do we want to go with the physicality? I was thinking from a performance point of view, Kathleen Turner would make a good Black, Black Widow. Okay. Then she's not necessarily the action. I mean... Is Demi Moore is 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 it a bit too early for Demi Moore? I, you know what I think. What we're pitching, we've either got to go Bridget Nielsen or Cynthia Rothrock. Let's go Rothrock. I think Rothrock's more the black. That makes more character. sense. Yeah, man. yeah. I mean, that would have been my alternative casting for Thor. Would have been Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay, let me hit you. I'm going to leave Hulk to last because I think All I've right. done something. I've, I've come up with a. I'm onto something with that. Yeah. So my Captain America is okay. I'm trying to think of an 80s action star who is slightly charming, is physically imposing, who's got an intelligence, both logical and emotional, okay. who feels very much like a moral leading man, but that doesn't have a heavy accent that does feel American. So my Captain America is Carl Weathers. That's a great shout. I, like I think that. that'd be brilliant. Because he looks like an action figure, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he looks like a He-Man figure. Amazing. And and so him in Action Jackson, which we talked about in in back in series one about the fact he's intelligent, he's mm. charming, he's funny. I think he'd be perfect as Captain America. Right? Can I cast Iron Man? Yeah. So again, you know, Tony Stark is even in the comic books, he's kind of a bit of a playboy. He's <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I do apologize. I'm laughing about my my incredible Hulk. <laughs> Please carry on. You, you got this like a little bomb, haven't you? Um, um, so I want it to be kind of smooth and smart. I'm thinking either a kind of late 80s Bruce Willis a la Moonlighting, yeah, or Kurt Russell. So, yeah, so Kurt Russell's a good shout, and that's where I was going. If, if you hadn't chosen him for that, I'd have chosen him for Hawkeye. Amazing. But basically, I think, yeah, I think Kurt Russell is... Tony is Stark. Exactly, yeah, totally. Right, so we've got Tony Stark as Kurt Russell's Iron Man, Carl Weathers as Captain America, Cynthia Rothfuck's Black Widow, Thor Svensson. Chuck Norris as Doctor Strange. Yeah, Thor Svensson as Thor. And Incredible Hulk is... Mr. T. Ah. Oh. <laughs> But so <laughs> what's important here is that it's Mr. T, not Mr. T in purple trousers. Yeah. It's Mr. T 
painted green. So he's got coat and jewellery and a mohawk. And they've not made him bigger than anyone else. He's the same size as everyone else. In fact, in some cases, slightly smaller than other people, just green. Just a green Mr. Amazing. T. Amazing. And he talks the same. He's quite angry as well, isn't he? So that kind yeah. of makes sense. Uh, yeah. Does he turn into Bruce Banner at any point? Or is he always Hulk? So... <laughs> Can Bruce Banner be someone completely different? <laughs> no, I like the idea that Bruce Banner is just Mr. T without green makeup. <laughs> yeah, but girl, could Bruce Banner be like, oh, who could, who could, like, really completely nerdy, completely different to Mr. Oh, T? Oh, um, uh, Rick, Rick, Rick Moranis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. But Rick Moranis wearing a denim waistcoat and jewelry. So yeah. it's Rick Moranis, he's dressed as Mr. T. And then when he turns into the Hulk, it's Mr. Yeah. T just painted green. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. And we want um, the Hulk. Who's our Hulk guy? Jeff Speakman. Nice. Yeah. Can we have Ant-Man and Wasp as well? Why not? Well, why don't we make the Wasp Bridget Nielsen? Because she's huge. <laughs> yes, because she can go like, yeah. Yeah. And I think Ant-Man, I might, I'm going to hang Pym, I think. Mm. So I want a slightly shitty... Aggie. Fuck it. Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> That's what the casting crew said. The casting people said. Fantastic. So Nick Fury. We, we haven't cast Nick Fury yet. So again, my immediate mind went to John Saxon. Um, That's a good shout. We, do, good do we, we want a grumpy but tough bastard. Oh, um, who's the man... <laughs> Hang on, hang on. I. <laughs> oh no, I've got one. I've got one in the pipe. I've got one. Yeah. Give me yours. <laughs> yes. Is that Jack Warden? Is that his name? That is. Yeah, Jack Warden from Crazy Like a Fox. <laughs> Crazy. What was your? Michael Ironside. Oh, that is good. Yeah, that's probably better. Jack, Jack Warden can be J. Jonah Jameson, even though Spider Man's not in it. Yeah, right. Since Spider, just... Spider Man could be in it. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Why not? Who's going to play a teenage boy? <laughs> uh, did you ever read, again, slightly off topic, did you ever read the James Cameron pitch for I did Spider-Man? a long time ago. I haven't read it recently. Did you read about the casting for it? I know Schwarzenegger was going to be Doc Ock, wasn't he? But I don't know. I can't remember anyone else. Do you, know, do you know who he's going to be Spider-Man? No. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Shit you not. Jack Nicholson. That's mad. I've got Spider-Man. Go on. Bill Paxton. Done. That is Bill Paxton. Yeah. Um, well, since we're just throwing characters in, Jean-Claude Van Damme has backdrop the Leaper. Yes. Why not? Massive yeah. twirly moustache. Yeah, massive moustache. Okay, now I before we get on to some key set pieces, I think we can skip plot. I want to talk about costumes. You've talked about the Hulk. Captain America is going to be like for one piece. That I imagine being very much like Red Brown's costume. Yeah, in absolutely. But I want the white wings to be huge, like almost coming out to shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I want to know is take me through the Iron Man armor. How's that going to work? It's not really going to work that well. <laughs> I think it's just going to be big, boxy, and bulky. Yeah. Um, basically, like they've got like a, a mixture of a suit of armor and a diving suit, mm. and and they've just kind of painted it red and orange. Yeah, um, and it's just he, when he, he basically like Robocop, he moves and walks like Robocop, really kind of slow and like. Doof, doof, doof. But whereas Robocop is convincingly made of metal, this looks clearly like it's made out of foam or whatever yeah absolutely yeah, yeah it squeaks and shit i think i think most of the other costumes are going to be we t- oh yeah we, we talked about thor's costume haven't we we know thanos is blue dom denomies is just in a white suit okay cool so black widow is she just in like tight leather well here's the thing i mean again we we, we wrestle with this i don't want to say she's going to be in a sexy outfit but it's the 80s she would be put in a sexy outfit wouldn't she yeah. I'm going to leave that. You know what? I'm going to leave that up to your imaginations at home. Your filthy Dolph Lundgren bottomy imaginations. Dirty bottom. You, you oh, greasy crevice of a mind can 
conjure up what you want Cynthia Rothrock dressed up as in the 80s to play Black Widow. Amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so we start off with a heist of yeah. some chemical agent and the gangs bring it to um, a mystical figure in silhouette. Yeah. And like we have it and then it light comes on, it's Thanos and he goes and he laughs and then Nick Fury gets a phone call and he goes, I know who to call. And now the Avengers are already assembled. Thanos has nicked this. It's in New York. We need to stop them. And we're Maybe off. like a bit like just a, they're in a penthouse. They're all kind of, you know, um, Carl Willis has got like a punch bag. Mm. Uh, they're, working, they're all working out together. Yeah, Rick Moranis and uh, Kurt Russell playing chess. Uh, mm. Black Widow's kind of just kind of pole dancing, but it's supposed to be like an action scene. Mm. Hulk's, uh, you know, <laughs> Hulk, fuck it, Hulk's in the background smashing the eagle, even though Rick Moranis is in the in the <laughs> shot at the same <laughs> at the same time. Chuck Morris is on the roof. He's just sat with his legs crossed, kind of meditating. Yeah, and um, it just closes in on his eyes, and you hear the sound of an eagle, yeah, squawking, and that's it. He's got an inner monologue as well. So you yeah. hear every time it pans in, it, 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 you hear what he's thinking. Yeah. Um, I think, how are we going to do like lightning bolt for source fences? Is it going to look really shit? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be put on afterwards. It's going to be stock footage of a storm in the distance at night, no matter what time of day it is. And then um, it will just be, there'll be some like sparky pyrotechnics going off nearby. And then just someone will have drawn a blue line over the top of him in post. Can he have a cloud that follows him a bit like um the snowman in Frozen? Well so I, a little lightning bolts coming down it. Yeah, I, I like the fact that maybe like someone's playing ping pong with him and they beat him so he makes it rain on them. Makes it rain on Raddy Roddy Piper. Nick Fury walks in and goes, uh enough of this horse shit. Gather round. Then we go to basically where Gangland Warehouse kind of deal they're they're selling this kind of gas in canisters marketing it as a drug so people will get high for money so there's going to be a side plot here there's going to be uh the love interest for captain america is going to be a single mum yeah whose kid is going to school he's gifted but lonely kid is going to school and she um and she's worried he's going to fall into a drug habit Right. So they stake out this warehouse thing. They leap down. There's a big fight between them and the gangsters. And pretty much all the displays of powers are just them fighting people. Like Thor Svensson just hits people with a hammer. Yeah. Chuck Norris is just doing roundhouse kicks, but there's a the sound of an eagle going off at the same time. Yeah. Um, Carl Weathers does throw a shield, but it's a frisbee and it doesn't come back to him. He has to go pick it up afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I like the idea that Rally Roddy Pipe and Bridget Nielsen shrink, but the shrinking effect is just a clearly, um, them clearly in blue screen running in the foreground and made small. There's no like, the camera doesn't move or anything. Nope. Um, and they just trick They've got really up. squeaky voices. You know, like they change people's voices. It's just yeah. really high pitched and squeak. Yeah. And they just like kick the people at person's foot and he's like, ow, get off. And then <laughs> hits him yeah. in the head. Um, and so. To relax, Captain America's out or Steve, in Steve Rogers mode, he's out, meets the mum while getting hot dogs for the rest of the gang, whatever, gets Chang. Um, and he pops around one night, meets the kid. Well, this is a gifted kid kind of thing. Um, and then at some point decides to meet the kid at school. I'll pick him up for you. And while there, he sees the kid interacting with drug dealers who's got this canister. So he chases drug dealers on foot. Now we're going to have a period here, like a lot of eighties super films where the characters aren't in costume or anything. Yeah, it just becomes a, so this becomes a foot chase. And, um, fights. and I like the idea that any, any to make things seem like superpowers, anytime someone does something like jump or roll, there's like a sound effect that goes with it to make yeah, it I, seem more super powered. Like a futuristic whooshing sound. Yeah, but the camera's like really low to make it look like they've jumped really high or something. Yeah, yeah. He beats them up and then he goes back to Avengers Town. He's like, well, this shit's serious because now it's getting to the kids. Then we cut to Dom DeLuise who's screaming uh, his, uh, his mafia gang and it's hilarious. 
And he's like, you guys are incompetent. I'm going to hire in some outside help. And that's where Van Damme comes in. And he the door opens and Van Damme's there in a kind of purple leotard with a domino mask and a huge moustache. Yeah. And he just starts kicking all the mafia gang up and Dom DeLuise is laughing and clapping. And he goes, now get the Avengers. And he creeps into the Avengers penthouse and there's a fight in the penthouse between him and Cynthia Rothrock. That's yeah. it. All the Avengers are asleep and he's going to go and kill them. But Rothrock is awake and alert and she fights him. Yeah. And he gets kicked out of a window or something. Um, Can I introduce another side plot as well? Go for so it. So Van Damme, when he comes in, he's got a small army of his own um, called the Leapers. Yeah. But they are armed with weapons they've stolen from Wakanda. So they've oh. got like really high tech super weapons. So therefore, he's kind of he's got this little army with him, and he's he's badass. But they've kind of they've got this super powered weaponry that they've stolen from Wakanda. At some point, the Black Panther comes into it and tries to get the weapons back. But mm. it, it, there's a scene when he clashes with the Avengers uh, initially because he's 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 just trying to get the weapons back, and the the Avengers don't know who he yeah. is, so they're trying to stop him as well. But then at the end, he teams up with them because I want the Black Panther to be played by. I was thinking Bill Duke, but we've used him enough. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. I was I was thinking Billy Blanks, but Wesley Snipes is a much oh, yeah. better shot. Much better shot. Okay, we got. Well, how does Spider Man get fit into all this, or is he just one of the Avengers? He's one of the Avengers. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he he's, they've got Bill Paxton on a wire on a crane, and he, every now and again you just see him swing in the background. Shit. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Like> it. <laughs> yeah. So they've traced the drugs back to Dom DeLuise's kingpin. Yeah. And so they they go there to fight him, and they do. Um, and he's got a machine gun, and they're sort of diving out the way, and they get him. And he's like, "Well, it's, it's not me. There's someone higher up." And at that point, that's when Schwarzenegger appears and starts firing laser bolts at them all. Yeah. Um, and they get defeated, and they decide they're gonna give up, and they disband. So Captain America goes back, goes on a date with a single mum. And then the kid ODs. Yeah. And to rush to the hospital. Um, and he rings up the Avengers friends. And he goes, look, I, we've got to do this. Look, this kid's in hospital. Um, and they all come to the hospital. And they go, this is serious now. We've got to get Thanos. And then we have a tooling up scene, even though it's the Avengers. I think we just took another Avenger in there who just appears out of nowhere. Yeah. I was thinking War Machine. And that could be Billy Blanks. Yeah. He's not been in the film before this. No, I, 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 Captain America phones up Iron Man, and Iron Man goes, "Right, let's get this on." What do you think? And he just mm. turns around, and goes, "War Machine." Yeah. War Machine just stood there in just the same suit, but painted silver. And okay, I'm just gonna start throwing this shit at you. Thanos Schwarzenegger talks into his gauntlet like it's a wristwatch. Yep, like a like Michael Knight and goes, "Okay, I can call my own Avengers in," and he recruits. A whole bunch of supervillains. Amazing. Loki played by Billy Drago. Fantastic. Red School played by Hoskins. Absolutely. Um, Brian James as Galactus. Fantastic. But he's the same size as everyone else. He's yeah, yeah. Stupid fucking helmet. And uh, he's doing a, I don't know, a South African accent for some God knows reason. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um, we need Modoc. With Modoc in there. Christopher Walken as Modoc. Yeah. Um, They've just built a big box around his face. Yeah. Brian Bosworth as the absorbing man. Yeah. Well, we need a Spider-Man villain. What about um, Doc Ock? Dennis Franz. <laughs> Doc Ock. He's also on a he's on an all on a cable as well on a crane. They yeah. just bang the two of them into each other as they swear at each other. And Dennis Franz is basically like the the copy plays in Die R Two is just swearing the whole time. David Carradine is the Mandarin. <laughs> yeah, Why really not? over the top, mean the merciless looking motherfucker. Yeah. Absolutely. Hugely racist performance. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, widely, widely condemned. Even not like, oh, it was a, it's it was a different time. At the time, it was widely condemned. You can even hear someone wildly condemning it in the final cut, like someone in the background. <laughs> you racist. <laughs> 
pricks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, and then there's just a big fucking rumble, big fight. Yeah. And Captain America chases Thanos onto the roof. Thanos gets in his Thanos copter. He's going to escape. Yeah. And then just Carl Weathers pulls out a rocket launcher, doesn't fire yeah. a shield, and fires a bazooka. It blows up. Yeah. Um, they drop a dummy into the street. And as Thanos is splatted, the kid comes up, um, takes his glove off and gives him a kick. Um, <laughs> and that's what finishes him off. And Carl Weathers, hands on his hips, just stands with one bazooka over his arm, just laughs from the yeah. from the top of the skyscraper. Brilliant. Who's doing the score for this? I think... Now, weirdly, my immediate, my immediate go-to was Alan Silvestri, but he did the score for the Avengers. I so was that's... thinking Alan Silvestri as well. I was thinking I've got Flight of the Navigator in my head. Well, okay, uh... how about... We could say Alan Silvestri, but Alan Silvestri in Flight Navigator Delta Force mode, where he's using synth. Lots of synth. Really yeah. synthy. No, Harold Fortmeyer. Yep. Oh, can you imagine Absolutely. Harold Fortmeyer's Avengers theme? Oh, man, that'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be so and he, good. He'd have music for every other character. So good. Oh, this, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, Harold Fortemeyer. It would be it'd be very much Tango and Cash for the Avengers. Yeah. His running man score for the villains. Like a, a blend of Amazing. those two. Amazing. Yeah. And obviously, as we, we like to establish, there would have been a specially recorded song for the credits. Yeah, absolutely. Um called Avenge Me in brackets. The Love Gauntlet. Brow Club. Love brackets. Gauntlet, yeah. Uh okay. Um and that's going to be by... I think that's where you'd like, you know, the Three Musketeers or whatever, where three pop stars have joined together to make their own Avengers. But they've got to be fairly... So I was going to go share, but she's... this. Remember, this is not A-list, is it? This is almost... This just got into the cinema. So yeah. I think... Okay, I think Paula Abdul... Yeah. With Pet Shop Boys... Yeah. With, I want someone a little bit out of left field. A rapper. What about Tone Loke? (laughs) (laughs) Who did uh, Funky Cobadine? Yeah, there we go. Like a rap at the end. Yeah, doesn't work on any conceivable level. No, no, it's an absolute fucking disaster. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and the production was a nightmare. I mean, the clash of egos. Uh, people refusing to be filmed on, on the same day as other people. Yeah. Um, Mr. T refusing to speak to anyone. Yeah. Tell you, no. We haven't put it. We haven't put in there. Who? Busey needs to play someone. Oh yes, Busey. Doctor Doom. <laughs> Gary Busey is Doctor Doom. Yeah. Maybe he could turn up at the end. Yeah, for the sequel, bait. Yeah. So can it end like Mortal Kombat ends? Yes. So they defeat them and they and like Captain America hugs a woman and, and then you hear a laugh. Yeah. And they go, Who's that? And then it's Gary Busey in a creaky metal. They've just put him in a suit of armor. Yeah. Like a really difficult to move in suit yeah. of armor. A yeah. green cape, and they've just painted his face silver, like he's a yeah, yeah. a living stat like a living statue. <laughs> and he laughs. Uh... Falls over because <laughs> the suit's really heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's the credits. I like the fact that like there's there's so many like it's been made and there's so many behind the scenes stories of things that didn't happen. Like there's a shot and if you pause it, you can see Mr. Fantastic, and that's played by Mel Gibson. But he turned up on set and really pissed and just had the ump. So they just got like about ten minutes of footage of him. But there's just like that scene in there, and you can see him in the background. There's 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 a famous that there was a point where they were making it R-rated and there's a sex scene between mm. um, Chuck Norris and Cynthia Rothrock in a hot tub yeah. and there's um, there's bootlegged images of that but it's not in the film yet. There's also like, a, there's a one still picture of an animatronic T-Rex that's never in the film and no one knows what <laughs> part that played or whatever. Yeah, it just sits the background, yeah. yeah. That film went up against Stallone's Thundercats movie. Yeah. And there was a big thing at the time, like the rival between the two. Yeah. Um, and which one was going to do best at the box office. 
and they both fucking bombed completely. Absolutely bombed. Because the the it wasn't so much it had a bad box office weekend and like it did it did the weekend and then the film trade trade off. It had the ticket sales for the first hour were great and it yep. went straight down. Yeah, like, people <laughs> one, didn't even stay to person, One person came in and opened the doors. And yeah, went, what the fuck was that? And everyone, <laughs> I ain't seen it then. Yeah, just the, the lines dispersed. <laughs> What have we learned today, Dick? You know, should this world sort itself out and us get back to our normal crime fighting ways rather than just survival? What can you learn from the Punisher? You know, do whatever brings you joy. You know, if it's yeah. if it's mowing down shits, yeah, you know, do it. Go for it. I I think as in dream, live your best life. As men, Mm. you know, we find it difficult to talk about (laughs) our emotions. Yeah, Um, men in 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 spirit, if not biologically or spiritually, we are taught to hide our feelings, to not talk, be open, to not talk to each other, to not express ourselves, and that can be dangerous. And I think if shooting up a casino, you know, allows you to express yourself, do it. Yeah. Make yourself happy. For me, I think hygiene is optional. Yeah. If anything, if you're fighting someone and you've got thick dirt under your nails, that's an extra weapon because you could leave someone with a nasty eye infection or something. Just you get, your dirty, get your dirty bottom out. <laughs> yeah. I, I also, and we, we touched on this earlier, please remember, if you need to find out some information, if you need to do some heavy research on organised crime, Hang out by theatres. Absolutely. Wait for McKellen to stagger out pissed. Yeah. And go, Oi, McKellen, what's going on in the underworld? And he'll go, Oh, fucking tell you what's going on in the underworld. Oi, Dench, when's the shipment coming in? How much? And which dock? (laughs) Oh, it's Pier 13. (laughs) Get out of here before I put my size buyers up your fucking arse. If you tell anyone I told you, I'll cut you a new cunt. He always says that was just Dench. Fucking mad, mad Judy Dench. <laughs> On that possibly actionable Dench comment. the wrench, I think they call him <laughs> the world, um, Cannot recommend The Punisher enough. If you haven't seen it, find the uncut version and watch the shit out of that. Watch the shit out of it. Starts with the dirty bottom, ends with the dirty bottom. Your dirty bottom. It's so good, you will dirty your bottom. Your bottom.